more minutes before you can leave because we have we have a very special friend that I would like to have come up here, Sarah Shavar. What are you saying, Sarah? You don't want to be my special friend? All right, here. Uh, I just want to let everybody know her birthday is coming up. And we have a little, little plan for you. Looks a little more Christmas than anything, but it'll last for a while. So we just want to say happy birthday. We just want to say how much we appreciate Sarah. She's such a wonderful person here at church, and we appreciate her and her family. So happy birthday, Sarah. Simons, Alive in Christ Ministries. 
10 years, but I've been involved 20. And, and then we eventually started a group for parents who have kids who are identifying as gay or transgender. Now we have an international women's group, and now we have two, two family groups. We also give seminars and trainings on how to have compassion for those who identify as LGBT, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender without compromising the biblical faith. And we have seminars for parents, educators, youth pastors on how young people are framing these issues, what's influencing them, how do we give kids a solid foundation of a biblical view of sexuality and gender. So um, that's the, the basics of what we do. I love to come share at churches, so I'm glad to be here today. Now, I'm a little different in that I like to ask people questions, so I'm going to be asking you questions, and I want you to actually answer, okay? <laughs> if you didn't have your coffee this morning, well, I will help keep you awake, okay? So my first question is, how many of you remember your first crush? Yeah? How old were you? Well, this changed. 
one of the most untouched places. But what we're really looking at is the difference, the comparison between the general American population and the LGBT community, okay? So we have the first one up there, all right. What, again, all ages, 18 and up, I should say, gathered about 10 to 15 years ago, the information, right? Published nine years ago. What percentage of the general American population, adult population, do you think was raised in the community of faith? I'd say about 70. Did you read the book? Because the answer is 75%. Oh! <laughs> Said. 
the world. And I know for me, when I began to walk in obedience to Jesus in March of 2000, in the area of my sexuality, I didn't, well, I'll say it like this. I felt like my same-sex attraction was like a swarm of killer bees. <laughs> I always, my kids are old at heart, apparently, because they love to watch the old Looney Tunes cartoons, and I imagine like Roadrunner being chased by like a swarm of killer bees, just insert whatever cartoon character runs. And you see the bees, like, they can't stop because the bees are chasing them and chasing them and chasing them. And that was me. I'm sure if I stopped running from this overwhelming temptation that I truly built my life upon, that I would be engulfed. And at a certain point, I realized I wasn't meant to be running from something. I was meant to be running to someone. The one who created me and the only one who could define who I am. Sam Albury, who wrote a book, Is God Anti-Gay, says, When you encounter Jesus Christ, you are no longer defined by who you love. You are now defined by who has loved you. So the first thing we draw out of this story is that our identity matters to God. The second thing is we can choose to trust God. We can choose to trust God. We live in a culture that tells us we must have certain things in order to be happy, to achieve contentment, things like a house, a good job, a spouse or a companion, some well-behaved kids would be nice, right? And at some point, someone had lied to this young man and told him that in order to be happy, he needed his wealth. Clearly, he could not imagine his life without it. I was told a different lie. You were born gay. This is who you are. You have to completely accept this part of yourself or you will never be happy. Now, right before this story in the Gospel of Mark is the story of the little children coming to Jesus. I should say the parents bringing the little children to Jesus. You're probably familiar with the story because the, the disciples are like, go away. Like, they don't say this, but the implication I always feel is like, Jesus has more important things to do than hug your kids and pray a blessing over them. But what does Jesus say? Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. Now, little kids naturally trust, right? If that trust isn't broken, what's the first thing that kid will do when they get hurt? Run to mom or dad. Even if it's a minor little problem, right? And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus talks about the blind trust of a child right before he encounters the rich young woman. After Jesus' answer, the young man wasn't quite as eager to seek Jesus. He didn't trust that no matter what God required of him, he would be okay because God is trustworthy. Now, most people would agree that wealth is a gray area in Scripture. The Bible doesn't actually say money is the root of all evil. I actually just read that the other day. Is that Timothy or something? I don't know. But read through the letters and I just the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Doesn't That's what it says, okay? But idolatry is a sin. And we kind of assume, you know, I try and put myself in the story, but we kind of assume that whatever business plan this young man was following, he wanted to continue doing so no matter what the cost. Now, sexuality is not a gray area in Scripture, as I already talked about. God's design is clear. But that seems unfair to people with same-sex attraction. In fact, it seemed unfair to me. After I became a Christian, less than a year after I became a Christian, I got into another relationship. It was like I was faced with a choice, an impossible choice to me. My, my lesbianism in one hand, with all its comfort and familiarity, and Jesus in the other hand fear of the unknown. Now, last year I read a devotional called uh, Experiencing God Day by Day. And one, one of the entries said this, don't discount the power of God as described in scripture simply because you have not experienced it. Bring your experience up to the standard of scripture. Never do scripture to the level of your experience. Now, I said this, that 
same-sex attraction. <laughs> when my kids used to say to me, they don't do this anymore because they're a little older, but that's not fair. It's not fair. I would say the cross isn't fair. Everything else pales in comparison. And we laugh, but it's true. I came to the point where I realized if Jesus would do that for me, if Jesus would do that for me, I had to start taking him at his word and believing he is who he says he is and he will do what he has said he will do. That if this was his design for sexuality, he wasn't trying to withhold love and fulfillment from me within that. That if I were to remain single, he would fulfill me. And I were, if I were to marry, he would still fulfill me. Because a spouse can complement us, but a spouse does not complete us, unlike what the world tries to tell us. But that real love could be found in Jesus Christ alone. So the second thing, we can choose to trust God. The third thing, there is a reward. Now we can always count on Peter to say the thing that everybody's thinking, but maybe they're a little shy to say, he pipes right in to say, we have left everything to follow you. And Jesus replies, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel. It's so interesting that fields are in there, but you know, that's because we don't live as much in our agricultural society now. But we'll fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. The disciples are starting to get excited, right? Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and fields, Jesus. They're ready to sign up and he keeps going, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Now, society had lied to me, had lied to all of us, really, and told us that in order to feel complete, we needed to be in a marriage or a committed relationship. That romantic love and sex are the end-all, be-all. Jesus is saying, no matter what you've had to leave behind to follow me, that he sees our sacrifice does not go now, my last girlfriend ended that relationship when I was a Christian, and I decided that was it. It was like, I call it my line in the sand moment, March 9th of 2000. That I was going to be obedient in the area of my sexuality no matter what, even if it cost me everything, including the possibility of ever being married, because, of course, at that time, I thought a relationship with a woman was my only choice. Now, I always like to say my story isn't tied up in a neat little ball, though you already know I'm married children, so let's put a picture up there. Hey, there we are at the beach on New Year's Day. There was nothing ceremonial about that. In fact, I forgot that people are weird for a second, myself included, really, but that they go to the beach on New Year's Day to like, you know, it's like this secular baptism ritual where they jump in the water. I'm like, literally, we're there, look, we're all like, three coats on and everything else, and people are like, why is that girl in bikini? You know, you can't see any in the picture, but that's my husband with the red glasses. His name is Roy. Uh, my son in the back is Nathaniel with the other glasses on. He just turned 16. JJ, uh, the boy with the hat on, he's now like four inches taller than me, but as of January 1st, we're about the same height. He just turned 14 on Thursday. And Maggie in the front, she's nine. Um, I say, I say it about not being tied up in the neat little ball because I do experience same-sex attraction still. Now, it's at this point, it's extremely rare to the fact to the point where I wouldn't be able to tell you the last time. But I, I like to. I'm from New Hampshire, and so does anybody know what a no seam is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I was talking about this in one of our support groups this week, and they're like, "Well, maybe we should come up with a new analogy because." No seams are the ones that you back them away without thinking about it, but the bite is really bad anyway. So think of a gnat or a fruit fly, something that you just bat away without even thinking, and you just move on. That's what my same sex attraction is like. But there was no guarantee of that when I surrendered to him. Surrender isn't. There's a great uh, devotion in my Uncle's for his highest. I think the date is March 12th, and it talks about total surrender. We don't surrender to Jesus for something except Jesus. We don't surrender to Jesus because we expect a certain outcome of our life. We just surrender for Jesus. And so 
we read in the story that there's a reward. And the last thing that we draw from the story is how Jesus loves people and how we can love people. Now, when I did become a Christian at my little conservatory school, when I was 23 and a half, the Christians there genuinely loved me, like, like Christians had not before. They never took it upon themselves to say I should not be a lesbian. They just pointed me to Jesus Christ. Like everyone else, I was a sinner in need of Jesus in my life. My sexual choices, along with other things that were very prevalent in my life at the time, eating disorder, self-injury, depression, anxiety, those were only indicators of my primary need, which was for a Savior. And in the story of the rich young man, before Jesus answered, before the Son of God put his finger on that thing in his life that kept God from being number one, I imagine this deep pause. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, if we finish up those statistics, we have just a couple more. We can put the next one up. So what percentage of the general American population do you think is open to returning to their communities of faith? 50. What did you say? 50? 65? Anybody else? Someone say 15? Yeah. That's closer. It's 9%. It's such a sad, sad little number. Now, what do you think about, what do you think that number might be for LGBT people? Three? Higher? 76%. 76%. In fact, um, I saw a statistic online, but then I couldn't find the source because it was behind a paywall. Do you know what I mean? You read too many Boston Globe articles, and it's like, you have to pay to read this article, okay? But the statistic was something along the lines of how LGBT people are far more open to talking to Christians than Christians are to talking to them. It was like four times more open or something. And it resonates with this, this survey because when, when the 76% were, say, what would it, were asked, excuse me, what would it take for you to Turn, their number one answer was feeling loved. They would need to feel loved. Now you might be wondering, what does that mean? <coughs> Alright, let's find out what that means. <coughs> Tasha, a 21-year-old lesbian living in Miami, Florida, says, if you let any church people read this, tell them I don't have to be right to feel loved, I have to be dignified in my disagreement. That seems hard in our world, right? It feels like it should be impossible to agree to disagree, but that's that's not what she's saying. In fact, Kim, a 42-year-old lesbian living in Jackson, Mississippi, says, I hear God's love is the great equalizer. It's hard to believe when I've never been told God loves me. 42 years old. And it gets worse. I think God loves me, but when I tried going to church a few years back, I sure didn't feel it. I think they're scared I'm going to cause problems because we might not agree. I don't care about that. I want God's love to bring you into the fold like it does with everyone else. Now, I often get a question when I speak. Uh, what is? What can I say to my loved one that I really care about, who is gay or transgender, that will help them know Jesus? And I always encourage people, rather than looking for the perfect words, pray that their hearts would be good soil. In Mark 4, I think it's Mark 4, I'm saying up there, uh, but it's not just in Mark, it's in several of the Gospels. There's this parable called the Parable of the Sower. But a few years back, my pastor preached on it and he called it the Parable of the Soil. Because it's really about the soil, right? And whether the soil, the heart, is able to receive the seed. So pray for good soil, because the core of this interaction can be summarized in loving people. Jesus looked at this young man and loved him. <coughs> I have a two-week cold going on. Still. <laughs> I feel it's going around a lot of families right now. It's a two-week cold. It's not COVID. We tested. But I still just can't get through a whole message without at least one cough. <laughs> but something that breaks my heart more than anything else is, is this, this story of Kim. 
in a in a in a country that really is in many ways saturated with the gospel, do LGBT people not know that Jesus loves them? If if you ask an LGBT person, what do you know about Christians? The first thing they probably would not say is, well, they tell me Jesus. Jesus, you saw me and was raised. Holy Spirit, we just need you to come. That this person would, would know the love of the Father more than they know anything else. Thank you for forgiving this person of their sins, for forgiving all of us of our sins, Lord God. Help us to know the love of the Father so much that it just flows out of us into the lives of the people around us that we are trying to share Jesus with. And those that maybe we don't even want to share Jesus with because of our own, whatever we have going on, Lord God, we just need you. We need your love. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus that they would know this love that surpasses knowledge that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that is my prayer today for myself, for all of us. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share the love you have, that your Father, that our Father spared no expense, that he gave his only, not his extra, so that we shall not perish because we believe, but we will have life with you forever. And we thank you. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Can you please up here? Gracias. 
to be a church that recognizes that. And that leads to the people of God being shortcomings just like we are. Amen. Uh, I also want to let you know that uh, if you'd like to give uh, toward the um, Alive in Christ ministry, feel free to check out to the church and just write Alive in Christ in the memo. You can have somebody who is going to the check to them. Uh, there's also a cable out there where you can receive more resources. There's books. out there, that way you don't get caught up here, but uh, that way if you have questions or you'd like to talk a little more about the ministry that they do, she'll be able to come up all the way through and talk with you. So let's go ahead and stand up this morning and stretch a little bit. I always joke about one of these days we're going <clears> to <throat> do the kind of a seven-minute stretch and swing, or sing, swing the Caroline. Okay, <laughs> Doug's working on it on the piano, so. I did test your singing skills. Just to, that's just a, a small test to see if you guys can handle some carols. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together in your name. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We pray that you would um, open up opportunities for us to be able to share your truth and your love with other people that need to experience it. And so, Father, I pray that we would be a light on the hill, that we would be beacons of light to our to love God and to love people. We thank you for all that you are. And we pray that you continue to be here. We pray your blessing over life of Christ and over Deb and her ministry and what she's doing. We pray that you continue to expand and, and provide everything you need. Thank you for the great and great and apostle that we can worship you. And we thank you for your love. And may we gather together in community one day. Pray for one another. Care for one another. We pray all these things today in Jesus' name. Thank you.